welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Those of us upstairs in big church, we want to open up our Bibles in two different places. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. Genesis, we're going to start in chapter 26, then we'll move over to the very last verse in chapter 27 and get into chapter 28. We're going to be looking at about Esau. Do you know 11 o'clock worship services are dangerous for preachers? And you know, as I think about it, this is, I think, my first. I don't think we've actually had an 11 o'clock worship service here at this church. We've had 1045, 10 o'clock, 1030, 11.15, 11.09. Remember that service, 11.09? That was, but we have not had a service at 11 o'clock. I tell you, it sounds, if I raise my voice, you don't mind turning me down, I'm going to blow them out. Uh, uh, with us, who I want to turn the volume a little bit lower. But what happens at 11 o'clock? We all know what's going to. Here's the danger of 11 o'clock service, because at one hour is noon, and we know what that means. The dinner bell rings at 12 o'clock. I once had a guy tell me, preacher, and I don't know if this was a compliment or just a fact of life. He said, preacher, I want you to know, anything you can say in 40 minutes, you can also say in 20 minutes. I'm waiting for an amen. Nobody, so that, if there was a, so that was, because we have 20 minutes till uh, noon. Anyway, open up your Bibles. Genesis chapter 26. I want to tell you a story here. Um, about, this is a message here about Esau and how Esau made a mistake. And many times we make mistakes. This, in our uh, sermon series on prayer, we make mistakes. I made a mistake earlier. I walked up too far. First mistake ever. I walked up too forward. Ready to have a Lord's Supper, and I had to go back to the pew. David Dell sent me back to where I belong. I'm from pew there. And those, these things happen in life. We do things that are not the best things to do. He was out of place. They say something wrong. I mean, it's just part of our life. We're going to make mistakes. And Esau, we're going to see here, he makes a mistake. But I want to tell you all about, in many ways, a very costly mistake by a founder of a company. And that company is something that many of you are actually using right now. It's an Apple phone. And Apple makes lots of different devices. In fact, uh, Apple was started, listen to this, if you read their beginnings, it's remarkable. It was started on April 1st, 1976. That would be 48 years ago. 48 years ago it was started. Well, uh, it started by these three men. One was named Steve Jobs, and he became the CEO later. And what they did is he had 45% share of the company. And another man named Steve Wozniak, he had also 45% of the company. Steve Jobs was 21 years old. Steve Wozniak was 26 years old. But then they had this older guy who was in his 40s, and he was considered the adult in the room. His name was Ronald Wayne, and he owned 10% of the company. Ronald Wayne was in his 40s, and they wrote up their, bio, their constitution. They started this company in Ronald's living room. And they just came over there. All these guys worked for a company back in the 70s called Atari, and they wanted to start making computers for folks. They realized this in the 70s, computers are coming. We need to start a company. We'll call it Apple. So what they did is there was this somewhere in California, there was this company that, w- that wanted to hire these three men to make them uh, um, computers. 
And and the name of that company was called the Bike Company, B-Y-T-E or something. It's an odd name. But these three guys were going to build a company to create computers and supply them to this other company. Their computer company was called Apple, these three men. Well, they went and borrowed $15,000 to start this company. But then the older guy in the room named uh, Ronald Wayne, the 40-year-old man, he kind of got nervous because he had $1,500 invested. And he's like, I have a family. And this is back in the 70s when $1,500 was a lot of money. He's like, I have a family. I've got bills to pay. I have a checking account. These two guys, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, they don't have, they don't, they're just wild kids. They're just running around playing Atari games. And now they're wanting to build computers. So after 10 days... Even though he only had 10% of the share, because he was considered the tie-breaking vote if those two men couldn't agree, because he was the most mature one, he thought, you know, I'm going to sell my, my uh, because he was worried they were going to borrow this $15,000, and it's going to be a total flop, and he's going to be on the hook because these guys had nothing. And he's like, this is going to be a flop of all flops. It's just, you know, they're talented guys, but you know, you know how things go. Everybody wants to start a new business. Well, he sold out after 10 days. He sold his, 50, his 10% share and got his $1,500 back. Now, this man, that was in 1976. Apple, this little computer that was a, comp- a company, the plans were developed in this man's living room. He drew them up. He knew how to write up, I guess, a constitution for a new company. And he got his money back. He gave away his 10% share, took his 1500 and went and, hey, he was a successful guy. He was a talented man. He had another job at Atari. Well, Apple is now, 46 years later, 48 years later, Apple is a $3 trillion company. And many of us have the devices, you're looking at them right now, some of you are. That 10% share, that $1,500 now would be worth $75 billion, not, not million, billion dollars to that man. If he just would have done nothing and say, oh, just keep the, I'll just hold on my little 10% share, my little $1,500, he'd be a multi-billionaire from that company. That company's success story from its very humble beginnings, just Atari guys, beginning a company uh, is truly one of the greatest in American business with what they, what they developed with that. Now, I share all that because uh, Ronald Wayne, obviously, he had no clue these little guys sitting in his living room were starting and beginning something that was truly going to, in many ways, change the world uh, from that point on. But it did. It changed how we uh, do everything. We carry a phone in our pockets at all times. It's a total device. But that was something, obviously, he probably looks back and go, that probably wasn't a good business deal. That 1500 would have made me a lot of money if I hadn't have, have made that mistake. Well, here in the Bible, we're going to see a guy named Esau who made a mistake. And his mistake is, he married the wrong person. Now, many of you might laugh, but we're about to see that. He married somebody who he shouldn't have. And then he wanted to make it up. Because a lot of times what happened, when we realize we make a mistake, we then, if we're not careful, this is what sin does. Sin compounds in our life. In order to make up, 
or try to fix it, we make a second or a third mistake. And that's what Esau does here. So I want you to look in your Bible. Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. Remember who is Esau? Esau had a twin brother named Jacob. His mother was Rebekah. They were twins. They were born, Esau was older. But Jacob was, came out of the womb clasping his heel, symbolizing, you know, even though you're the firstborn, I am right behind you. Something's going to happen with these two. And they were fighting inside the womb, these two boys. So uh, the, the birthright, what had happened here, Esau, he's going to have his birthright stolen from him by Jacob. And his mother, Rebekah, actually helps her younger son, Jacob, steal. You talk about family problems. Mother is siding with one of the twins to steal the older twin's birthright. That's his share. That's his, his inheritance from his father, Isaac, who's, who's getting blind and is aging and his health is going down. But look what Esau does when he's 40 years old. It's like people make foolish decisions when they get in their 40s. So here's Esau, what he does. He's 40 years old. Now Jacob is also 40 years old because they're just a few minutes apart. But he's not married at this point. But Esau's ready to get married. But he marries the wrong people. And I say people because he married two wives. Look at this. Genesis 26, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as his wives Judith, daughter of Bereh, the Hethite, and Basma, daughter of Elon, the Hethite. Now, who are the Hethites? We won't turn back there, but it's in your notes there. If you go back... In the, or a book, uh, Genesis chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, you can read about the Hethites there. Are the, the Heth was the descendant of Canaan. So these are Canaanites. These are not people. These women are not people who believe in the Lord. They do not follow the God of Abraham. These are pagan women he marries, Esau. So that was a mistake. Now look at that last sentence in verse 35. Look what these women do. First of all, he shouldn't have married two of them. He only should have married one, but he married two women here. And it says, They made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. These Canaanite women made it miserable for Esau's mom and dad. Who are his mom and dad? Isaac and Rebekah. And they've got these... Uh, daughter-in-laws that are just making their lives awful is not a good not a good home life is what we have going on and then we're going to flip over our bibles here look at the very last verse of chapter 27 genesis 27 we're going to read on from here 27 46 what happens is esau finds out that his birthright has been stolen by his brother, with the help of his mother. And he is not happy. And he has made a vow that he's going to kill his brother. When his dad passes away and his dad's about to go be with the Lord, he says, you know, once dad's gone, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out my brother. He's good. We're going to end this. He's phenomenally angry. So what happens, his mother, Rebecca, is protecting his twin brother, Jacob, the whole time. And Rebecca paid a price for this favoritism. Favoritism is wrong in the Bible. It causes problems in families, and we see this here. What Rebecca is about to do here, she's going to send her son away 
to get a wife. Now, God uses that situation because she, he's able to get, uh, uh, by accident, he also gets two wives. Leah, uh, Jacob gets Leah and Rachel. He wanted to marry Rachel, but he also got Leah as a, a bonus wife in, in that. That's later on in the Bible, that story. But what happens, Rebecca showed favoritism towards one of her sons, and God never allowed, when she sent him away to escape Esau's, Esau's anger, she never again saw her son. So it looked like she was trying to protect and do the right thing, but the Lord said, this is favoritism. What you're doing is deceitful. You're lying to Isaac. Rebecca lied to her husband, and she paid the price because she never saw her favorite son, Jacob, again. So this is where we're going to pick up here. Rebecca realizes she's got to do a plan to get rid of Jacob because Esau's about to kill her. So we're picking up in Genesis chapter 27, verse 46. So Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick of my life because of these Hethite girls. These Hethite girls, those are his daughter-in-laws that, that Esau married. He, they brought these Canaanite women into their home, and she doesn't like them. They don't think like her. They're just different. It's, you, you know, you, mamas, you have, some, you have a son, and he, and he goes out and marries another woman who's totally different than you and says, this is really awkward. We have nothing in common. He didn't marry someone like his mother. That's kind of what happened right here. And he's made a mistake because he, he did not seek the Lord. He did not marry someone who's a fellow Hebrew or part of their clan. He went out, he married a Canaanite, someone who worshiped idols. If Jacob marries someone from around here, like these Hethite girls, what good is my life? That sounds like a mother saying, my life is over. My, my, my blessed son, Jacob, if he marries one of these Canaanite women, it's over for me. Just dr drama queen Rebecca is what we're seeing right here. So here comes the plan. And I'm going to show you in this Bible what we're about to see. Esau has already made a mistake. Rebecca's made a mistake by showing favoritism, so God, she's about to send away her son and never see him again, Jacob. But watch how Esau is going to try to win the favor of his dad, and it's not going to work. It's too late. All right, chapter 28, verse 1. We're going to read nine Bible verses here. So Isaac summoned Jacob. He blessed him. And commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite girl. That's the number, number one rule. Whatever you do, don't marry one of those women. Always enjoy your parents telling you who to marry here. So that's what we've got going on. Here we have Isaac. First, here's your life lesson. Whatever you do, don't marry this type of girl as you go out. Do not marry a Canaanite girl. Go at once to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your, your mother's father. Marry one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So this is his uncle. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply so you may become an assembly of peoples. May God give you your offspring, the blessing of Abraham, so that you may possess the land where you live as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob to Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of of Jacob and Esau. So all that means is there, uh, Rebecca had a brother named Laban who was a trickster himself who wasn't really that great of a guy and 
They, Jacob is being sent to his uncle's house to marry someone among their clan. There's a better selection of women where Laban lives. There's it's more opportunity, so to say. So now we shift back. And I think this story, these last few verses here, is what we overlook in our Bibles. Because it shifts back to Esau. Esau's recognizing he made a mistake. And the principle for us for this morning is when we realize that we have done something wrong, many times making another big decision, making a massive life decision, or saying, I'm going to try to fix this by doing this, it doesn't make anything any better. Our only solution in that case, when we don't know what to do, when you've realized, Lord, I've made a mistake, Lord, this is wrong, our only solution is to actually go to the Lord and say, Lord, You show me what to do. Lord, You guide me through this situation. Lord, I'm in a hole right now. I've got a, a, a difficult family life. My mother's not happy. My brother's stolen my blessing. I mean, truly, Esau's like become the black sheep of the family. He was the firstborn. He's entitled to the heritage. His mama helped him helped his brother steal it, then his brother stole it, now his brother's going to go marry someone who that honors his family, that he, wants, that he should have had the opportunity to do. So you just see, it's a mistake after mistake after mistake, setback for Esau. So now it's going to shift back to him the story. Verse 6, Esau noticed that Isaac blessed Jacob and sent him to Padan Aram to get a wife there. He's noticing that. People notice when there's favoritism going on in the family. Your other siblings are fully aware of what's going on. And here it is. Um, Esau's aware of this blessing that Isaac received. Or Isaac blessed Jacob and sent him to, to get his wife. When he blessed him, Isaac commanded Jacob, Do not marry a Canaanite girl. And now look at this, verse 7. And Jacob listened to his father and mother and went to Padam Aram. So Jacob is listening to mom and dad. Now, verse 8. This is when repentance happens. But the repentance is one that it took the wrong action. Verse 8. Esau realized that his father Isaac disapproved of Canaanite women. That's an understatement. Because just two chapters before, we saw how bitter Esau and Rebekah's life had become because of why Esau married Canaanite women. And now Esau, that word realized, Esau realized, do you know what? I have made a mistake. I have married these two women here. My family doesn't approve of. God is, uh, my father has just totally blessed my younger son, who actually, by the way, stole my blessing from me too, with the help of my mother. And Esau's realizing, you know, I'm getting left behind. Things just, uh, they're, they're not going well for me. So, Esau's realizing this. Isaac disapproved of Canaan women. So Esau, look at this. He doesn't ask for a wisdom, doesn't seek the Lord, doesn't ask his mom and dad what he should do. It says, so Esau goes to Ishmael. Now, who's Ishmael? Remember who Ishmael is. This is, uh, remember, uh, Abraham had Isaac. But 
before the, Abraham and Sarah were very anxious to have a baby. So what happened? Sarah gave her slave girl to Abraham to have a baby, and they end up, her name was Hagar. So Abraham slept with her, and they end up with Ishmael, this bonus child before Isaac was born. So Esau's realizing, you know what? Since they went to Laban, I'm going to go to Ishmael, and I'm going to go find one of Ishmael's daughters and marry her. That's what happened here. So, Ish, so Esau went to Ishmael and married in addition to his other wives. No one told him to do this. God didn't tell him to do it. Mom or dad didn't tell him to do it. We're now on wife number three. What happens is we see sin compounds. One decision, one bad decision does not have to turn out into five or six bad decisions. But in Esau's case, it did. This is what happens when we don't ask wise counsel. This is what happens when we don't seek the Lord. When we don't ask our parents. When we should have said, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I've married these women and made your life bitter. What can I do to reconcile this? He didn't say any of that. He's watching what his parents are doing. He's trying to fix the problem himself. And he makes it worse. He says, in addition to his other wives, Mahaliah, daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. She was the sister of Naboth. There. So we see here Ishmael is given, now giving one of his daughters to Esau. So the story we see in this, and the biblical principle for us, how this applies to us this morning, is God has given this story of Esau, I believe, to show us that he did not seek the Lord. And when we may find ourselves making a mistake, the key verse there. In verse 8, Esau realized the word realized. When we realize we have made a mistake, when we realize we have uh, done something that's wrong, that does not honor the Lord, that has brought dishonor to our family, our only response should be falling to our knees saying, Lord, how do I, how do I make best of this? How do I repent of this? How do I overcome this situation? And he tried to do it in his own strength by just running to another family member, Ishmael, and marrying a third wife. And we see Esau has lots of problems from all of these wives. This was not God's plan. His parents did not guide him in this. And I think the principle for us today is we need to say, Lord, you know, and many times when I don't know what to do, the best thing I can do is, Lord, go to you and say, Lord, show me what I, to, I need to do in this situation. A dependence upon the Lord is realizing one decision does not mean it's going to end up being three, four, or five bad decisions. If we have loved ones, if we have family members, and they have made a bad decision, in Esau's case, he made a bad decision. Esau, Isaac, and Rebekah still loved their oldest son, Esau. He was still part of who they were. Even though they, they, he married two Canaanite women against their approval, and it wasn't the best situation, going and bringing in a third woman didn't make it better. And I think for us, how we apply this today, when we have family members or people we know who do make bad decisions, we have to honestly tell them, hey, this was not the best decision. 
this was not very fruitful of what you did, but here's where we're at right now, recognizing our situation, and here's how we're going to move forward. And bringing a third woman into it is not the solution. And I think the principle that we want to take away says, God, am I trying to dig myself out of a hole by making more foolish decisions that do not honor you? And some of us here this morning, you might be on the verge of making a, another decision if you have not sought the Lord. We don't need to turn there, but it tells Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul writes about this. He says, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please people? And one of the dangers of being a people pleaser, because Esau was trying to please his dad, and he needed to start pleasing the Lord. The danger of being the ple- uh, a people pleaser is what happens, you always fall short. You can't please people, because the bar always keeps changing. The people keep changing. You're always trying to strive for something. And in Esau's case, he's trying to please his dad. He's trying to earn his dad's favor. And his father just needed to say, Esau, you are always part of the family. Even though you've made foolish decisions and married these Canaanite women, now married a third woman against us, it wasn't th- you know, you're still who you are. It may appear many times when we do try to please others, when we're people pleasers, but actually you're pleasing yourself. Esau was trying to gain his family's approval, and he couldn't. And maybe some of you are trying to do the same. We want to be, we're trying to gain someone's approval. And the only person we're trying to gain approval, it should be, is the Lord. And the great thing about the Lord is when you are saved, you were, the Bible teaches you are in Christ. Just like we had the Lord's Supper. You identify with the body and the blood of Christ and there's nothing left for you and I to do to gain the Lord's favor. This morning, you look at your life and say, Lord, is there any area of my life that I just need to stop, step back, and say, God, show me what to do. Reveal to me your plan. Help me in this situation. Lord, I don't know, but Lord, make, making more rash, quick, foolish decisions is not the solution. I don't want to be an Esau. I don't want to try to please my father, which actually made him more upset with what he ends up doing. We have to ask what Paul says ultimately in that question in Galatians 1.10, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please men? Because in this story, Esau was trying to please his father, Isaac, and his mother, Rebekah, and he didn't do it when he should have been trying to please the Lord. Like Jacob, he just listened to what his parents, even though his parents weren't always the best, he honored his mom and dad in what they said. And they're guiding him along throughout his life. Just like our life, we trust the Lord in everything. We're about to have our invitation. I'm going to invite David to come forward right now. We're going to close this service here. And some of you, this new year, here we are in January, maybe you've already forgotten your New Year's resolution. We're three weeks in. You've forgotten your commitments you made at the beginning of the year. And you think, Lord, I've already been tripped up. I've already stopped. And you have to stop and say, God, I don't need to just throw in the towel and give up completely. Lord, I, 
every day I wake up and Lord, I want to please you. I don't want to be like Esau and just find my life making foolish decision after foolish decision and just rashly doing something that just digs the hole deeper. We stop and look and say, Lord, who ultimately am I living for? Who am I trying to please? The Lord or some man? Which, When you're pleasing man, you're actually just pleasing yourself. A man's approval, other people's favor of what you want. We're going to have our invitation. and It's our time to respond to God. If God's placed a decision on your heart, you need to make a decision. You're saying, Daniel, Pastor, I'm too tired of just living for myself. I want to start living for the Lord. I've been living a life like Esau, just trying to do things myself, and I keep coming up short. The hole keeps getting bigger and bigger. This snowy, cold day, this is your time to look at yourself and say, God, it's my time to respond appropriately to you. And that's seeking the Lord in whatever mountain, whatever, uh, whatever is in front of you, we trust the Lord that He will guide. So we're going to stand together. David's going to lead us in a song. David, what song are we singing? I Surrender All. I Surrender All. That is hymn number 433. We respond. Myself, our deacons are waiting down front. You come take our hand and make a decision to follow Jesus. Oh.